I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is Fly Purbly with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth, who would like to congratulate Adam Burt for coming in first at the 121st Trent Clad Invitational. Wow! So, Craig, upon leaving my office today, I, uh, I, I worked out. We have a gym in my building, and I walk outside, just decided to shower at home, wore my gym stuff out, and I'm walking down the street, and uh, I've got big headphones on, just minding my own business, and some guy is walking up, and he's, he's walking by me, and he's pumping his fist and saying something. I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're saying pull up my headphone because he's looking at me and or and he, he's saying big dick nick big dick nick big dick nick and I, i'm not wearing any eagles gear whatsoever absolutely none but for some reason this guy is chanting big dick nick at me and i was like all right cool man and <laughs> kept walking on well was there that, I mean, that was it. He was just doing that because he was still pumped about the Eagles. He didn't even have like if he had if he had Eagles gear on. If I had Eagles gear on, sure, whatever. <laughs> I I think he was in the vicinity because when I was leaving work, he Nick Foles was on Fox twenty nine doing like uh the weather or some shit. But oh okay, but yeah, like Nick Foles wasn't behind me. I don't think I. <laughs> What if he was and you just you just missed the opportunity? Yeah, that would have been amazing. Just be the Foles just right behind you and even recognize. If, if Big Dick Nick was right behind me and I missed out on that, then like he was directly behind me the whole time. <laughs> could be the case. It could be the case. Who knows? He was just at the gym with you, just spotting you. you didn't even notice. He was. I mean, well, I looked in the sand and I only saw one set of footprints, and that was where Nick Foles carried me. Ah, okay. That's uh that's the Bible, right? Is Bruce Almighty? Is that what that's about? <laughs> sure. Yeah, we'll <laughs> go with that. It's some Jesus stuff, you know. Yeah. It's all Jim about Carey. the Jesus. Jim Carrey, great movie. Liked it. Very funny. So great. Sure. Okay. <laughs> you know, I am more of an Evan Almighty fan myself. Oh, so. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh actually, you know what? Speaking of that. Been watching The Office. Uh, I never watched the later seasons. Oh, the later seasons are weird, man. What do you think they're still funny? Like, I think the last se- the seasons after Michael Scott leaves are are fine. I don't it's know. It's like pretty good. Like, and I I rewatched it last year, and it held up better than I thought. It yeah. Gets, well, the season after Michael Scott leaves is pretty is okay, and then yeah, it gets into. Like the whole season where they go to Florida is terrible. 
Like, that's just, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's fair. But uh, no, there's, there's still some good stuff in there. There's, And it's always, the, the blame always goes to the fact that Toby took over as a showrunner. And, you know, Toby is the worst. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, he is. God, just... Uh, that guy is is he been in anything in anything else? I feel like he can't be in anything else. I Whatever don't think so. Yeah, I mean, if you see him now, you're just gonna think of Toby. Same with uh, same with Stanley and Kevin. Like they all just kind of fit into that. Even Dwight Schrute wasn't Rain Wilson. Didn't he have his own movie where like he was supposed to be a punk rocker? Oh, oh God! It's literally called The Rocker, and yeah. it is not good. I I watched that on HBO one day, and I sat there thinking. If anybody besides Rain Wilson was starring in this, this might be funny because there's a ton of other funny people. It's just not good for it. Now, I, <laughs> every time I see somebody from The Office pop up on another show, I'm like, it takes me out of that show immediately because I'm so yeah. like, I just think of that that person as their office character. Yeah. I, well, I would say, actually, ironically, except for uh, Steve Carell, I feel like he is. Oh, young. well, he's a great actor. He's yeah. Just, He's not only a fantastic comedic actor, he's just a great actor. I haven't seen him in anything. I know he just came out in another series maybe not too long ago. Did you see The Big Short? Uh, no. No, actually, I started watching some of that, but I, I know that's a pretty good film, too. Um, yeah, and what's uh, Krasinski's been in other shit, too. Wasn't he in a war movie? Krasinski directed a movie this year. Oh, he did? Oh, this year? Uh, yeah, a horror movie called uh, Quiet Place. Oh, oh, I've heard. Okay, it's pretty right. good. Pretty good. Uh, I was gonna say. I think the only other thing I saw him in that was uh something borrowed, which is don't don't nobody watch that movie. I mean, it's a horrible. It's like a a, a rom com, I guess, but not really that good. Not a good, not a good movie. Uh, I think he I was like, the biggest. I like thing Craig's movie movie reviews. That's the new segment of the show. <laughs> Craig's movie reviews. Where I just I just dunk on like chick flicks, and that's all. I, I forget who else is chick in flicks. Am I right? He's <laughs> good. We're the sports, am I right, guys? <laughs> Just the worst movie reviews ever. But uh, well, and then uh, Jenna Fish was also in um, uh, Walk Hard. She is in Walk Hard, which was hilarious, and she's been in other stuff too. But yeah, she pops up here. Not not everybody can only be known for that, but uh, it's uh, hard Trump. for me to really see somebody, especially like like uh, Oscars in. Oh god, he's insurance commercials now. Yeah, that's I, all I I'm, think of. <laughs> no, and then like I saw like Meredith on like an episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I'm like, oh, it's Meredith. That's not who oh, really? she's playing here. It's Meredith. <laughs> uh, imagine seeing Creed in another thing. I I cannot fathom this. Yeah, uh, I also haven't watched any of uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, Wes Helm, or uh, yeah, Wes Helm is another one where I guess he. I don't really think Andrew Bernard. Oh, Ed Helms. You said Wes Helms. Uh, oh, yeah, Wes Helms. Sorry. You know who like Wes that. Helms is? Wes no. Helms was a shitty third baseman uh, <laughs> on the 07 Phillies. The, okay. the, the 07, like, 08 Phillies had, like, they had the really good defensive third baseman who couldn't hit. They had the guy who could slug it, who was Wes Helms, but couldn't field to save his damn life. And then there was, like, the in-between guy. And <laughs> I don't know. Well, see... I wasn't thinking of that guy. I don't even know why I just said Wes. You definitely said that yeah, guy. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's who Wes Helms is. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, uh, Ed Helms. My bad. Yeah. No, no, is, no. I, uh, it's it's not the case for everybody. Like, uh, you know, Ed Helms and uh, 
uh, you know, there's other people. We could go all day with this. We could go okay. all day, but this is this is a hockey podcast. Ostensibly, this is a hockey podcast. But uh, we do like to talk about other things, which I think is half the appeal. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we have appeal. Yeah, I guess that's that's some of it. But um, I think we have a little bit of appeal. We have a little bit of appeal. Uh, before before we get into the nitty gritty here, I uh, I just wanted to thank everybody who came out to the Broad Street Hockey Draft Party. Yes, a yes. tremendous turnout at this event. Uh, people, whoever said hello, uh, listeners of the show wise, uh, thank you. It was great to meet you, and uh, it's just always nice to get out with the people who read the blog, listen to the show, and mingle with everybody and also it's just a great atmosphere i mean that's about as much fun as you can have with the nhl draft which is yeah not the most fun event yeah and especially this year when there weren't too uh not not too many trades but yeah it was great seeing everybody uh love people coming out for the support people saying hello if you ever do see us at those events please say hello we love talking to people that listen to the show and um yeah it, it was nice to actually put a face to some of the Twitter handles. <laughs> so that's always nice uh, too. And sometimes yeah. it's shocking. You're like, Oh, could you like people were appalled by my hideousness. <laughs> and they were, they were taken and uh, just taken back by how handsome I am. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. This is, I walk around with this all the time. Like this are. is exactly <laughs> how it happened. They were like, Oh, Christ, <laughs> very handsome, but Steve, very, you dashing, are, very tall. You okay. are hideous, Steve. If, if only you would wear a Phantom of the Opera mask. <laughs> so Steve at the next draft party will be wearing a fan with the opera mask. Look, look for that. And uh, if I can find an Ophilpula jersey for free, I'll have that on too. For free, an Ophilpula jersey for free. I am not that. That is, I priced this out because I still thought about buying it, despite my stupid gamble in the playoffs. And it is no, I, I'm not making enough cheddar for that. I'm good. Yeah, that's that's that's. I don't think anybody makes enough money to waste money on I don't it. know why I said cheddar either. Did I transport back to the 70s? Who knows? <laughs> Slick back hair, gold chain. Uh, get some, talking about cheddar here. Get to buy <laughs> these jerseys. Uh, but the the draft. So let's uh, talk about the draft, I guess, Stephen. There's uh, eight people to talk about here, including a ninth player as a uh, rookie camp invite. And, this is uh, the stuff. This is where you came for the stuff. I'm folks, here for the stuff. And you're going to get the stuff. And uh, starting off with the fact, this was the first Flyers draft ever. They did not take a single Canadian. Uh, five yeah. Americans, three Swedes. Don't say that. That's not true. We love Canada. They're our neighbor hey, North listen, America's hat. Listen, Ron Hextall is making American hockey great again by not taking Canadians. So five Americans <laughs> and three Swedes. Fake news. <laughs> Wrong. Huge fake news. You're the puppet. Uh, so five Americans. They took five Americans a couple other times, uh, and none of them were worth noting. In 1977, they took Tom Gorans, who uh, became somewhat a decent player for the Flyers. The most recent example of them taking five Americans in one draft, Steve, was 2004. I'm going to list off these players, so you tell me if you remember any of them. Rob Bellamy. Which Who's a I, great MTV host. I, what's that? Wait, was that Bill Bellamy? Damn it. I don't know. The, I mean, MTV being relevant was before my time. Actually, oh, eh. oh, somebody's so young. Oh, <laughs> rub it in. I'm in my 20s. Uh, I don't remember. 
Shut up. MTV had some stuff when I was growing up, but I I don't remember that guy. Rob Bellamy, too, was also a name I kind of vaguely recognized with the Flyers, but I don't know if it's because I knew he was a draft pick. Anyway, R.J. Anderson. That sounds like a Broncos running back. It does. Chris Zarp. That's a fake name. It's a good, pretty good name. <laughs> Speaking of fake names, Gino Pisolini. That's that is definitely. We're talking about Michael Scott. That's definitely like a Michael Scott goes undercover with the mob fake name. <laughs> and then, you ready for the most generic name of all time? Uh, John Carter taken in the ninth round, I believe. Do you know From how Mars? many? Do you know how many? Do you know how many NHL games they play combined? Uh, I'm gonna say three. A cool zero. Oh, so that was good. Even John Carter of Mars zero zero <laughs> NHL games. So the other times were 1977, 1977, all right. First, Mike Crowley. It would have been a. Sh- it would have been great if they had drafted him because we could have played Ozzy Osbourne's Mister Crowley. Boom, boom, boom. Trip Tracy. That's an amazing name. I don't even know what that's that reminds hockey. me of. Yeah. The- Trip Tracy's good. It's a shame he didn't make it. Uh, Scott Legrand. See. I like Scott Legrand as a. Uh... Scott Legrand is good. Josh Yabara. Uh, I don't even know what to do with that one. Blaine Rude, uh, Brett Jeff Lawrence. Dandretta looks like Dandruff, so I would have called him Dandruff. Blaine <laughs> Rude is a great hockey name. Just having a hockey jersey with Rude on the back is perfect. Yeah. Wow, chef's kiss. That I mean, that might be the end of uh, the good names on here. They I like Tom six... Greeter. I heard Michael Greeter. I like Michael Greeter. It just sounds like a, he's a greedy guy. Yeah. yeah he's, uh, he's hoarding all the pucks for himself. If he had been a goalie, it would have been perfect. So, uh, the the most Americans they took in one draft there was 1987. They took six, and uh, you'll be surprised to know that none of those guys had uh, impact either. So the so. Flyers have really great experience when they take a lot of Americans. Yep, and this is uh, hopefully this is not another one of those drafts. But with two, the first two round pick, first round picks, it should not be a similar outcome because those two guys are pretty. Uh, they seem like high end guys. Or guys that should eventually have an impact on the NHL team uh, down the road. I see that you also list that the Flyers took three Swedes one time. Yeah, this is the second time they took three Swedes in a draft. The Swedes worked out much better. Yes, they did. Uh, So the only other time they took three Swedes in a single draft was 1990 when they took Michael Remberg, the all right player. Legend. uh, Patrick Engel. For one year. (laughs) For one year. Patrick Anglin, and then Freddy Krueger, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Okay. Uh, and then Tommy uh, Soderstrom, serviceable backup that Tommy Soderstrom. Yeah, so that's a pretty successful draft for uh, one nation under God, indivisible by the Flyers. Uh, so when you look at this, that's Flyers draft, Nation, uh, buddy. Flyers <laughs> Nation. <laughs> uh, so looking at this draft. Um, Overall, Steve, do you have any uh, do you have any draft feelings? I know you. Uh... You know that Futurama meme where <laughs> it's the guy on the neutral planet, and he goes, "I don't feel one way or the other about this." That's you. That's me. 
So I've read a little bit of analysis here and there. Everybody seems to think it was a slightly disappointing draft, especially for Ron Hextall. His emphasis is on drafting uh, where he left a lot of guy, like a lot of talent on the table, if you will. Um, And again, just based on what I've read, because I'm certainly not a draft expert, as I've said many times, uh, you know, I always point and I say, Craig knows stuff about the draft. That's when I'm sleeping. But um, (laughs) which is always a ringing endorsement to have people listen to us. (laughs) It is. Absolutely. So Joel Farabee. I heard nothing but good things about people yeah. love that pick. People are all about Farabee. Uh, O'Brien is a bit of a stretch, but he's got talent. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody absolutely hated picking Adam, Adam Gidding. Yeah, which, uh, I'm not a big fan of either. And I feel like this is a big part of the whole picking safe aspect and not going for this was more of a trying to fill in an organizational need that I feel like shouldn't be an organizational need in the year 2018. And he, I mean, his biggest attribute apparently is hitting and he doesn't have that many offensive instincts does play against men. He did fall a little bit. I think he was supposed did you say to say he plays well, against men played against men, like in the played against stuff. men. That is, that is a thing when you talk about draft prospects. He played against men, yeah. not boys. <laughs> it just sounds so weird. It he is. Played against I, men. Yeah, you know, he exclusively played against women. He <laughs> played against dogs. He played against dogs. <laughs> he, he played against birds. It was weird. So he played in the SHL. How about that? that, uh, that it means better? nothing. It means okay. nothing to me. The shit hockey league. Great. Is he, uh... <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> But the uh, whoa, whoa, the commission, the SHL is listening. <laughs> he is gonna kick my ass. <laughs> the the getting pick, I think, is the the one that people had the most problem with, and I think I had the most problem with. Uh, Saint Ivany wasn't. I felt like I feel like there could have been a better pick there as well. Uh, Overager, though, I I do like that he's gonna play at Yale. Uh, the Wiley pick is another one where right hand defenseman. And he seems like more of a defensive defenseman as well. So strong name though, name game, amazing name, but also felt like it was just a a pick for organizational need. And it's then, not going to stop me from calling him Doctor Wiley from Mega Man. Well, nobody's going to go ahead, go right ahead. You might be the I, first one that's referenced that. I assume you are, but we'll uh, we'll say wasn't Mega Man a game? That's exactly what Mega Man was. Yeah, I was making sure. I'm sorry, you know, back back when I was a child, back in 1980. <laughs> was that back on MTV? Back in the 92. <laughs> no, it was, it was on video game. <laughs> the they Nintendo. probably made a cartoon about it. I'm, I'm sure every yeah. every viable video game property was a cartoon at some point in the 90s. See Sonic and the Hedgehog. They, I mean Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic, Sonic and, and the, the Hedgehog. Hedgehog. Yeah, that that's the gritty reboot. <laughs> that's, no, Sonic that's the Hedgehog. You love chili dogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Samuel Urson was a fine pick. I mean, as a goalie, don't really have too many strong opinions about that, but he did post pretty good numbers in the Super Elite League. Um, Gavin Hain was a guy. Uh, I think Gavin Hain as a six round pick was fine. Had pretty good numbers for the U.S. national development team. Uh, and he 
had some pretty good high school numbers and bantam numbers. Uh, and the Marcus Westfault, I think, was he. He's another guy that Steve going to have to say, but he uh, spent the whole season uh, playing against guy, men in the SHL. So he played he, against uh, men. Got that uh, some pretty good experience already. And he, uh, there's nothing wrong with picking a guy that played in the SHL in the seventh round. And he's a bigger men. guy, so he's already got, already got that NHL frame, I guess. And he, uh, when they talk about when they talked about his game, it wasn't just about his physical side; it was about his ability to uh, score, and he has a strong two-way presence. So I think the Westfall pick was fine. But yeah, it did feel like there were definitely players left on the board that Hexel could have taken that would have more offensive upside or more dynamic capability. But he kind of picked the string of picks from Ginning to uh wiley those three defensemen were uh not not the greatest i feel like i feel like they could have got they could have been else been used on uh other things but kind of feels like when i get to the end of a fantasy draft and i don't know who the players are anymore who am i even picking uh picking this guy or even <laughs> you know what like you know when you do a franchise mode in an nhl game yeah. And you're drafting guys and you're like, oh, I don't give a shit about any of this. <laughs> uh, that guy. Uh, that guy. Oh, yeah. he's big. Yeah, that guy. What? Well, that's uh, why. It's kind of what Ron did at the end. It's important to remember that uh, when you do those NHL uh, drafts in uh, NHL, that you always just want to use trade every single pick for a first round pick to a bad team. And then you'll get a guy that. You get like one of the three noteworthy guys that has an impact immediately. And also because it's a video game, you don't really care that much about drafting and developing. So you just get one good season and that's all you have to get from him. Listen, I care so. all about drafting and developing. And then when I'm on <laughs> season 19 and guy I've never heard of is the captain of my team, it's going to matter. I also like to go, I like to do that route or the opposite route where I trade all of my impending UFAs for as many draft picks as I can. And then I just end up with every seventh round pick available in the game. All I know is every time I start a new franchise mode, I'm always like, you know what? This time I'm going to go with the real Flyers roster and make that work. And then every time I catch myself like going, oh, this team will take this crap player. <laughs> the last time when I got NHL 17, I immediately went and traded, I think, Laterra and Philpula for Ben Bishop. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna work. Okay. And then yeah. uh the Kings spent the next like two seasons trying to trade me back Laterra every chance they got, and I, I laughed very <laughs> heartily and said, No. Fake uh fake Rob Blake and Luke Rope Tower, like please just for the love of God, you've gotta you've gotta You'd, take him back. <laughs> you traded us this broken bowl. Will you please take this refund? No, I will not give you a refund for this broken bowl, which is what Yuri Laterra is. Uh, Craig, people Please. do, people are excited about Joel Farabee, though. Why uh, shouldn't Farabee, we be excited yes. about Joel Farabee? Because he was probably the best player available at the spot they took him, and he has a lot of a lot of potential, and he is maybe maybe behind Frost the best offensive prospect in the system right now i have to look through the rest of the uh the rest of the prospects right now at the second but i think he's up there he might be the second best um 
but he's a pretty good player. And a big question surrounding him is the line of Joel Farabee, uh, Jack Hughes, who is supposed to go number one overall next season, and Oliver Waltrum, who went 10th to the Islanders, was a pretty dominant line. And the question a lot of people seem to have was, did Farabee kind of make Wallstrom perform better? Did Wallstrom make Farabee perform better? But a lot of people right. think, yeah. No, no, I was saying, right, like that's, I yeah. I don't know. I'm not the person who knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, told you, I don't know about, I'm not watching <laughs> these kids. I, whatever, they, they get to the Flyers, I'm like, I heard he's good. Yeah, uh, and I think, I think Farabee has a lot of, upside though and i'm excited that he is going to play for boston university next year i think that's the thing i've talked about a lot on here where i if you take a player in the first couple rounds that's committed to a pretty noteworthy collegiate program i think that's the closest thing you can get to nhl experience or professional experience i guess nhl or ahl is to play in the ncaa so that's something that so, uh, a bunch of the Flyers picks this year, or not a bunch, but a couple I can think of right now, are going to gain. And the first, the first two, uh, the two first round picks are both going to be playing college next season. So uh, Joel Fairway is going to be playing at Boston University. Uh, he was projected to go 14th overall by draft site. Steve Cornianos uh, of the draft analyst had him going 12th. And for the 2017-18 season for the uh, U.S. National. Uh, national team development program he had 33 goals which was second for the uat u18 team behind wallstrom second with 43 assists behind wallstrom second with 76 points behind wallstrom and he was second on the team with 207 goals uh and when you go back uh when you look back to the 2015-16 season uh he's only behind clayton keller Kiefer bellows and Wallstrom for most points in a single season for the U18 uh, U.S. national team. So pretty good, pretty good season for Farabee. Uh, and also it's worth mentioning that even with guys like Jack Hughes and Oliver Wallstrom on the team, uh, Farabee was named the captain of the team, which, you know, uh, as Dave Castillo, a defending Big D, wrote about in his uh, prospect profile of him, uh, intangibles is kind of a buzzword that a lot of people like to throw out there. And it's just kind of a, a narrative that people kind of build up about a player. But at the same time, it does say something that Farabee was actually named the captain of that team. Because it could have very easily just been given the Jack Hughes or it could have just been given the Wallstrom as the best goal scorer on the team. So it does mean something. Um, I think intangibles get a bad rap. There are definitely guys who are good locker room guys that are yeah. a good influence. And there's definitely guys who are just trouble at the end of the day. Yeah. Now it can be overvalued for sure, but right. there is value to be had in them. Yeah. Like it's important, but sometimes it's just, if you don't know what else to say about a player sometimes, and you can kind of see that they're a, like a gritty player, it kind of gets thrown on those players, but I don't think that's a Belmar. <laughs> yeah. Belmar. Exactly. Uh, Brian white. Which, you know, we in fact, Typically, like useless guys get called gritty players because they're they're guys that don't really do anything particularly well, but they try hard. So, well, they have those intangibles. Uh, but um, what was I going to say? Oh, but when you watch Farabee and you watch his highlights, he has you can tell that it's not just he has a lot more to his game than intangibles. He has a lot. He has above average speed. He's not the fastest guy out there, but he does 
He's able to push play pretty quickly. Uh, he's a north-south north south skater who was able to make chances on uh, transition opportunities. And he is, he's is he got a ridiculous shot, which I, I feel like not a, people, a lot of people talk about. When, but when you watch his highlights, he's ripping a lot of shots top corner, and he's hitting the post a lot. But goalies usually seem perplexed as to uh, how the puck got past him. And uh, does he's got playmaking capabilities as well. Which I guess the, the counter argument could be that he was setting up Hughes and Wallstrom, but at the same time, there were a lot of plays when you watch where he was throwing the puck across uh, the slot and passed a lot of opposing players to give Hughes or Wallstrom a pretty nice opportunity. So, um, and, and he's regarded as a two way player with a high hockey IQ, which is why a lot of people thought Fairby was going to go to the Flyers because that is a. That's pretty much just the Hextall ML is to get those types of players. Uh, I'm a big fan. I mean, I thought they were going to draft him. I wanted them to draft him. I wanted Hextall to draft him. And uh, I think he will eventually work his way into the Flyers' top six. I don't know how long uh, down the line, but I think he is going to develop pretty nicely at Boston University. I think he is going to become a good player for the Flyers. like the pick. Good. All right. Well, one pick at least was good. And how about Jay O'Brien, who people thought they reached for, but has yeah. some upside. So Jay O'Brien, I think they did reach for him at the same time. I don't know if it's going to matter in a couple years when he is on the team. I think he will make the team. Uh, don't know what capacity. I don't know if he's going to be a top six or a top nine guy. Uh, but he went 19th overall. He was projected 26th overall by Sam Costantino, the guy who does prospect stuff over at Sportsnet. And draft side had him going 42nd overall. So, I mean, that doesn't look too good. But he does, uh, I think in the SP Nation mock draft, uh, the, the Red Wings site winging it in Motown took him 30th overall. And when you read their, when you read their write-up about him, uh, Kyle from winging it in Motown says uh, his playing style not potential necessarily, but playing styles reminiscent of Tyler's again. And Ben Kerr of The Last Word on Hockey also had him listed as a playing style similar to Nathan McKinnon. So you can see plays the, I guess, NHL style of hockey that you need to play to be successful now. And he is a plays, he's a hardworking player, but that's not the biggest takeaway from his skill set. If that makes sense, like he puts up points and he has a lot of offensive upside, but he's a very hardworking uh, kid. And when I say that, it's a you can just look at the quote that his head coach at Thayer Academy gave uh, Tony Amante. If you guys used to play hockey, I don't know if you guys or guys remember Tony Amante, but um, Tony Amante said he can skate and he's got a motor. He's tough to play against. And if you Tony take Amante, the- of course, being a legendary flyer. Who, <laughs> yeah. Was it one season? Uh, I think a couple. I remember his biggest season with the Flyers was 2003, 2004. Um, I think he, was, I think he was there for two or three. I don't know. I have to look it up. Uh, if I could get back to the quote, though. Uh, he, oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, forgive me, forgive me, Craig. Yeah, let me continue with my blocks of 15 minutes talking about prospects. Um, he can skate and he's got a motor. He's tough to play against, and if you take the puck away from him. Going to chop your leg off to get it back. So that that quote, and then also the fact that he played. So he played for Thayer Academy, his high school team, uh, and then during the season, 
he would travel to play in exhibition games with the U.S. national team. So he didn't have a lot of off time this year. He was just pretty much plugging along or chugging along and playing in any type of game he could. And um, the point production at uh, in high school, though, he had 65 points in 30 games for Thayer Academy in 2016-17, which was the second best points per game average for high school players. And then this season, he had 80 points in 30 games. And among prep high school hockey players, he was second with 43 goals, 12th with 37 assists, and he was third with 80 points. And with 80 points in 30 games, he averaged 2.67 points per game, which made him the only prep high school player to have over two points per game average and to have played in at least 30 games this season. So, I mean, when you look at that, that sounds pretty promising. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I mean he's got uh, he's just he's got a lot of offensive upside. There isn't too much uh video out there of him because he did play high school hockey. And a lot of this stuff is shift by shift and it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to break that down when it's just uh, uh you know one camera in a high school rink and they don't really make it evident who he is to watch out there. But he does have it's a little bit of a wild card taking him that high as a high school player, but I guess if you were to take a high school player this high, it would be it would be Jay O'Brien. And also, I think when you get when you have two first uh first round picks, I think your second one you're allowed to take a little bit of a reach if you really like a guy. And uh Flyers like him. I I kind of trust the Flyers drafting department. Maybe not after this pick. <laughs> or like you know, the rest of the draft, but uh, you know, in the past they seem to kind of uh, hit their mark and they made a bunch of guys work that you want to think. Right. So people question Frost, and now he's looking like a sure thing. Yeah, now he looks like he's uh, he's definitely going to play in the NHL and maybe even this season. And uh, the big knock on him was he just wasn't big enough. Which uh, I don't know if you saw him anything about him at a development camp this week, but I think he's put on. But he's put on a bit of weight. I don't know how much, but you can definitely tell he's bulked up. Well, I, he was walking around with that beer gut, which was very concerning. Yeah. He put yeah, on fair. the wrong weight. He was just eating donuts and drinking beer the whole time, and he, he looks terrible. Yeah, he put on sixty. He put on sixty pounds, but that's because before each, before and after each game, all he did was uh, chug the iced coffee and muscle milk. So he uh, just put on the weight that way. <laughs> Fight milk. It was fight yeah. milk. Fight milk. Yeah. Fight milk. <laughs> uh, so the first, the the two first round picks, I I was a fan of. Even if the O'Brien one was a bit of a reach, I liked him. I don't think it's going to matter if it's considered a reach if he makes the NHL in a few seasons, which I think I I think he will. Again, I'm not sure at the what capacity. I don't know if he's going to be a bottom six guy, and not a bottom six guys and terms of like a, a grinder but a bottom six guy like he's just on the third line uh don't know like both the picks though third pick is yeah the one i'm not a big fan of adam ginning 50th overall uh draft site had him going 35th overall so a little bit of value and i like i said before i guess they really wanted to fill the organizational need of uh stay-at-home defenseman with some physicality and if that's what they're looking for that's what they got in getting six foot four 205 pounds 
from Linkoping, Sweden. He had two points in 28 games for Linkoping HC in the SHL this season. Played against men. Uh, one assist in seven playoff games. And then he also played for the Linkoping uh, HC under-20 team in the Super Elite, where he had six points in 17 games. Pretty much he's an old-school defender, uh, really good at hitting, um, and good at defending off the rush, but a lot of questions surrounding his skating, which isn't a, you know, not a problem that scares away the Flyers and their ability to kind of turn around questionable skaters, but uh, it seems like it just might be a thing that kind of sticks with him for a while because he is a bigger guy. Um, and he was paired with Timothy Lilligren at the... Uh, the under-18 World Junior Championship for Sweden. And his skating problems were uh, pretty much on showcase there, as he just wasn't able to keep up with Lilligren at the speed of play. Oh, boy. Um, it seems like he is... It, that's going to be the biggest concern, obviously, going moving forward with the NA, to reach the NHL. But even if he does that, it seems like he doesn't have the offensive upside to actually be anything spectacular. Uh, once he reaches the NHL, if he reaches the NHL, I feel like this is just a like it, it feels like a pick to make sure that him or Samarin kind of makes the league. Like just a third pairing guy that's going to bring a physical aspect in the next few seasons. So I, I'm not not really a big fan. I don't I don't think you need that for your team. I don't think NHL teams need that to succeed now. Uh, this would have been a fine pick a couple years ago. Uh, you know, when a lot more is able to fly in the league in terms of uh, positioning on the ice through a physical group, but I, I just I, I don't see it now. Like, the guy's not able to keep up with speed and uh, flow of the game. They're not going to be worth too much on the ice out there. You know what it sounds like to me? Sounds like you want to just turn the NHL into a big wuss sport. The National Pillow Hockey League. The soft guy hockey league. Might as well just play baseball. What the heck? (laughs) What the heck indeed. Yeah, that's me. You got me. You figured me out. Uh, Which is a Nickelback song. Uh, With the, the worst lyrics available. Um... Now let's talk about uh, Jack St. Ivney, which is uh, a guy I don't have too many opinions about just yet. Seems, I, I, I get the reasons why he was taken, I guess. He's a, he is an overager. He showed improvement between his draft year and this year. Um, and he has committed to go to Yale in 2019-20. So they're going to have a little bit of time to look him, look at him and watch him develop to see if he's going to be worthwhile as a uh, contract in the NHL. Jackson Avney is a six foot three hundred ninety eight pound right handed defenseman uh, from California. He won one hundred twelfth overall, six goals and thirty assists for thirty six points in fifty four UA side USHL games as an alternate captain for the Sioux Falls Stampede, and he had three points in three playoff games. Among one hundred eighty D men in the USHL this season, he was second with. Uh, 180 D men in the USHL this season that were that end of the season over 18 years old. He was second with 25 primary points, 
13th with six goals in all situations, second with 19 primary assists in all situations, and 15th with 101 shots on goal in all situations. Um, yeah, he is uh, from a Hockey Prospects Black Book. This is what they have to say about uh, St. Ivany. Defensively, St. Ivany uses his reach and active stick to take away time from his opponent. Does a good job challenging players with his own blue line and closing players off to the outside against the rush. Jack needs to add more grit and physicality and makes things harder on opponents in front of his own net and in puck battles as he has been losing, susceptible to losing battles, as he has been susceptible to losing battles. Uh, St. Avery distributes the puck well on breakouts and is able to stretch the ice using vision and passing ability, possesses good puck skills, and is able to carry the puck up the ice through traffic. Situation calls for it. He can also run the power play at the point efficiently. So he's got offensive upside, and he's going to be playing in ENCA pretty soon. And he's an overrater, so I really... Like, they, he's was a fine pick. I just think there were other guys there that they could have taken, I guess. Like, especially in terms of uh, defense, defensive depth in the organization, I don't know where St. Ivany would rank. But they did need some right-handed defensemen. Um, and he is probably the third-best option now behind um, Myers. And um, I guess Gudis is the only other <laughs> right-handed defenseman. So, uh, Great. yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess they, I guess they needed somebody up there. And then another right hand defenseman, Wiley, Wiley, six foot one from Everett, Washington, uh, 127th overall is projected to go 113th. According to the draft site, uh, out of, a, out of 33 defensemen in the WHL to play in 70 games or more this season, Wiley was tied for 19th with three, five and five goals, tied for 22nd with four, five and five primary assists. And tied for 22nd with 14, 5, and 5 points. Um, and his 150 shots on goal was 25th among D-men in the WHL during the regular season. And 53rd among CHL defensemen tied with Pierre Oliver, Olivier Joseph, who went to the Coyotes in the first round last year. So that was four shoot. names, wasn't it? That was four names. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that guy had a bit of names there. But he does, uh, the one thing you can say about Wiley is he does shoot. And he is a low so the risk. Upper level fans are going to be a big fan. Yeah, yeah, they're going to love. Him. Oh yeah, and he's more of a physical type. So they're going to they're going to love him. Low risk two way D man who relies on defensive awareness to anticipate opposing attacks and minimize opposing offensive rushes. Uh, he is just yeah, just another defensive defenseman, but he is right handed. So I guess that fills that organizational need. Again, it's a fourth-round pick, so I guess it's not the worst time to take that guy, but do you like to see him go for potential over just uh, fulfilling an organizational need? Um, Sam Urson, Swedish goalie, 6'2", 176 pounds, 143rd overall. Um, according to Elite Prospects, he was the only goalie to play in 40 Super Elite games this season. 920 save percentage and 2.53 GAA. Um, and out of 27 goalies that played in 20 games or more this season in the Super Elite, Ersan was tied for fourth in save percentage and was seventh in GAA. Um, and this is also from Hockey Prospects Black Book. Uh, he is a modern day butterfly goalie, he possesses a calm demeanor and fluid movement. 
Fluidity allowed him to come out of the his reverse VH or drop into it before most short side shot attempts could get through. His ability to transition from a butterfly to a standing position and vice versa is impressive. Furthermore, his butterfly is technically refined. This allows him to seal it shut on most shot attempts. Um, yeah, goalie. I mean, gauging draft picks is already hard enough for skaters. Uh, I, I feel like goalies is an entire, entirely different thing. It's just complete crapshoot and can't really go too much based off numbers or playing time uh it, it's just take a goalie you really just have to play the long game and see if he develops into anything i think the only goalie the flyers have taken recently where that hasn't been a case has been carter hart but carter hart seems to be a lot different than most goalies out there uh and um i think he would probably I think Urson will probably rank underneath Kirill Yustamenko uh, in terms of uh, organizational depth. So it's probably like Hart, Samstrom, Yustamenko, and then probably Urson. He's probably still above Matash, uh, Tomek, and um, Ivan Fedotov. Matash, Tomek, by the way, at development camp is once again wearing number 69. So he's the... Uh, nice. wearing the nice number, yes. <laughs> uh, Gavin Hain, 174th overall. Uh, big time Bantam AA and high school numbers. It's fifth on the U.S. Uh, U18 team in scoring behind Walsham, Faraby, Jack Hughes, and Jonathan Gruden. Not that Jonathan Gruden. Uh, this top- guy. <laughs> this guy right here. This guy's got intangibles. Let me tell you, there is no guy like this guy in the whole NFL or NHL or NBA or WNBA. Let me tell you, this guy. Knows how to open a Corona. <laughs> I tell you what, man, that shot when it went in the nut. Wow, I mean, that's hockey, man. You gotta love it, Gavin Hayes. Um, tied for ninth with twenty assists, seventh with thirty-five points, eleventh on the team with eighty-four shots on goal. And uh, yeah, I mean, there again, not too much to read into him yet. Late around pick, out the way for him to develop and see what it's like but uh did put up pretty good points for being a six-round pick and um he chose to return to high school rather than joining the national team last year what a loser actually won the national championship scored a hat in the high school game and his diploma okay nerd and education what a loser fucking dork and then um Last... Getting a baseline education at that. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I'm hoping uh, hockey works out for you, Gavin. Um, seventh round pick, uh, Marcus Westfall. Again, I like this pick because, uh, Steven, as I've said before, and apparently you like me saying, he, uh, played against Ben this season. Uh, and played against men. Yeah. And anytime we can grab that in the seventh round for a guy that, for a guy his size, I think that's, uh, this Pretty guy played pick. against a pack of wolves for three <laughs> weeks out in a lake, a frozen lake. Unbelievable gusto from this guy. Hey, oh, you know what? And I mean, that's that's all I'd say about uh, Marcus West. Uh, Marcus West, most strong two-way player, pretty good scoring ability. That's, uh, I mean, that's pretty much checks. You know, checks him out. Um, Jay O'Brien was on Pierre Maguire's like top ten most skilled players list in the draft or something. I saw that. I saw that on draft night. So, 
Very Yo, excited. Doc, I've been watching Jay O'Brien since he started playing street hockey in his backyard. Don't ask me how I saw it or how I knew he was playing or he was a guy to watch, but I saw it, Doc. <laughs> and this guy's got a wrist shot like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I'm very excited to hear all the uh, the Jay O'Brien banter once uh, once the Flyers are on TV this year. So, uh, and one last guy, not a draft pick, but apparently he's going to rookie camp like Ivan Kozarankov last year. Uh, Mitchell Balmas, who is a 5'11", 168-pound, 20-year-old left winger out of the QMJHL. Finished the season with a Katie Bathurst Titan, but he had uh, 72 points in 68 games this year between the Gatineau Olympic, Olympics and the uh, Katie Bathurst Teton. Apparently, it's not Titan, it's Teton. I'm said it incorrectly just now. But uh, 13 points in 16 postseason games for Katie Bathurst, and then he also had two assists and 12 shots on goal in four games at the Memorial Cup. Uh, of 82 QMJHL forwards who entered the season at least 18 years old, he was tied for second with 26-5-5 goals. Or 26, yeah, 26-5-5 goals. Tied for 44th with nine primary assists. And was 19th with 40 points. Also finished 7th with 180 shots. So there is... I guess there's offensive upside for Bowman's, but we're at the way a little bit to see him, and he's probably not going to sign a contract because those guys always seem to be a long shot to sign with the team. But 10 prospects who will get a look and possibly join the organization pretty soon. So, yeah, Steve, you were reading that. You, uh, a lot of people felt like this was a safe draft. I guess this was... I mean, I feel that way, too. Um, I think a lot of people were just upset there wasn't a a trade utilized out of the two first-round picks as well. And yeah. And there just I don't weren't know a lot of whether... trades. There just weren't a lot of trades overall. Right. Well, I was going to say, I, I don't know whether to blame that on the Tavares situation or Hextall's uh, yeah, lack of actually making a trade or what, because... Yeah. It seems like Tavares's uh, ongoing or impending free agency really has affected all the other dominoes falling. Uh, Jeff Skinner yeah. is a big example. Max Pacioretty. Yeah, it does seem to be a thing where once that once that is signed, um, or once you sign somewhere, the, the rest of the, the deals are going to go into place. And, uh, I mean, we mentioned it before the show, but, yeah, the fact that it sounds like Kexel isn't really going to go after Tavares is a little... Uh, a little upsetting. Yeah, should have uh, brought him home. Especially for this, boy. yeah, especially for this podcast, we just want to see JT come on home. So, actually, isn't so the the latest rumor is that it's down to three teams. It's down to him returning to the Islanders, San Jose, and Toronto. And actually, Toronto would be going home for him, right? Toronto would be going home for him. Um, I think I honestly, I, I don't know. I think it, I think he might be going to the Sharks. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but no, I'm getting that vibe too. I'm getting yeah. that vibe. I don't know what it is, but I'm getting that vibe. And uh, with, did you see the tax calculator thing on uh, I saw, so Frank Saravelli wrote about it, right? Yeah, I didn't. Like, I didn't see it, but I. I actually, I I played with it a little bit. It was pretty cool. But I think what the result was in California, he'd be getting the least bang for his buck with a contract. Oh, oh, I did not see that. Yeah. Well, I imagine it's, I mean, the biggest, the teams with the biggest advantage will be Tampa Bay, right? Yeah, Tampa Bay or Dallas. 
Dallas. Yeah, okay, that could be enough. Yeah, see, the thing about Dallas, and I don't know how much he's really... I mean, he's supposed to talk with Dallas this week, I believe. One of the five teams. But Yeah, they were one of the teams. He, he did talk with them. They presented. But... Yeah, I... I think that's a little bit of an interesting choice just because not a lot of people would chalk Dallas up as an option, but also at the same time, that top six would be insane. Like, yeah. uh, Although I did say Sagan? something that they would maybe trade Sagan if they had pulled off Tavares. Well, I don't, I don't know. Well then never mind then. I was going to say Sagan or Tavares would be on the second line there. I'll certainly take Sagan off their hands if they get Tavares. Yeah. Soon. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty nice, but that's Sagan, not... please. Yeah. But I mean, do you, I, I feel like Hextall, I don't even know if it's a Hextall or Tavares that doesn't want to, has already eliminated the Flyers kind of thing, but I feel like you gotta, you have, you have to kick the tires on that at least. You have you to. You have to. Generally. He's an elite yeah. player. Because, I mean, that, getting him changes everything. And uh, you just kind of have to make room for that option if it's there. Uh, I don't, and again, I don't know if it's a thing where, Tavares already picked out these teams and he's kind of gung ho on these six. So then Hexall is just like, I'm not even going to try. Or if Hexall is just like, no, we're going to stick firm and true with what we're doing right now, which I, to an extent is fine. But at the same time, if it gets a little maddening at a certain point, yeah, it's definitely maddening. And you know, there are times you want to go out and get a fun name, but I, this wouldn't really be just getting a fun name. This would be a guy that changes to trajectory of the franchise and it could probably put you because of winning at all then the flyers top six is insane yeah then the flyers top six is insane then either Tavares or the combo of drew and couturier is a second line option which i don't know what team is going to be able to handle that yeah maybe a team with uh jack johnson on the blue line but also i mean if you want to look at uh other what let's talk you want to talk about free agents here Let's talk about free agents. Let's talk about free agents. What do you want the Flyers to do? What do you think is going to happen? What do I think is going to happen? I think they're going to sign a uh, penalty kill specialist or, uh, you know, like kind of a third line center face off penalty kill guy. Uh, what I want to happen, I want them to sign that guy, but I also want them to sign a, a top six winger, uh, JVR or, uh, yeah. dare I say, James Neal. Ooh, baby yeah bring him in who cares dude i i, I hate his guts but you know what i, I it's kinda, the puck. he shoots he shoots the damn puck uh yeah. no I, james neal is the guy who's he's been successful in this league and he's an intriguing name out there i'll just say that much yeah by the way that wasn't a i, I was completely serious i think the flyers do need a guy that actually shoots the puck and uh no I'm, why, I'm serious too yeah that's why i made the whole pitch for uh, Jeff Skinner a couple episodes ago. Cause I feel like he is a guy that put him on a line with two, uh, playmakers in Couture and Giroux. I think he, uh, like Couture is not really, you know, but Giroux, um, feel like that would be a highly productive line. So Couture uh, he's turned into the guy who shoots the puck cause he gets yeah, in the middle and uh, he just gets to the crates and dunks it. Right. Basically. But <laughs> you need a guy who's actually willing to take shots to get it there in the first place. Like they've got it. <laughs> They've got so many guys who will pass the puck to get it to the front of the net. No problem. But yeah, there's not very many guys who will actually take that shot, pull the trigger. Uh, it'd be nice. I, I would love Skinner. I, I've been disappointed. They're not investigating a trade for him either. Cause I think that's a very doable trade. I don't think yeah. it's going to cost you too much. And I think he'd be a great fit on the team. Well, him and uh Pacioretty. I feel like both of Pacioretty those guys, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it sounds like Pacioretty is definitely going to be on the move uh, from the near trade at the, at the draft. So, I mean, can you imagine having just Patrick Voracek Pacioretty? Cool. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that'd be one hell of a line. Or even like, oh man, like uh, Limblom, Patrick, and Pacioretty, and then you put Voracek on the third line or something. Something where there's a little bit of depth, like crazy depth where somebody that should not be on the third line is just on the third line. So other teams can't handle it. A little bit of that. Uh, that's another reason. That Tavares would have, yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly. another reason Tavares would have been so good because then Patrick's your third line center. And the way he was playing at the end of the year, he was definitely a second line center. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. If Limbaugh and Patrick were on the third line, that would be kind of hard for other teams to handle. I mean, them on the second line is, is nice, but it's not overbearing for opponents. But then playing playing against bottom six for another team would be pretty tough, pretty hard. You know what your Flyers comparable is? If you look back at the 2010 team, Mike Richards was the third line center. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, oh yeah, that during the post. Oh my god, during the playoffs, their third line was um, Giroux, JVR, and Aaron Asham. Which you know, Aaron Asham, not nothing too crazy, but JVR and Giroux on the the third line is kind of nuts. Was that the third line or the fourth line? Because I think the third line so, was uh, Richards, Carcillo, and Gagne. During the well, during the postseason, that line was um, Richards, Carter, and uh, Gagne. And then the I thought second that was the second line. <laughs> well, the second line. I thought the second line was uh, Leno, Hartnell, and Breer. Uh, or would you say that was the first line? I don't know. That was that was one of the top two lines, and then. I know Carter was in the there fourth somewhere. line. Um, I thought the fourth line was uh, Le Perrier, Betts, and uh, Carcillo. Of course, of the course, Le Perrier, Lappy. Uh, yeah, the second LCB line, the a lot less uh, successful LCB line. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what were we? Oh, de- yeah, depth. Pretty much just like a uh, crazy depth. So that's uh, I mean, it, these are things we want. I don't think it's going to be anything that's that happens. I think the only thing that's going to happen is he's going to sign. Hexel might sign two forwards. I think he's going to get a 3C. Whoever that is. Probably Riley Nash. Probably somebody that is not going to really knock your socks off, as the old saying goes. Uh, and then maybe a winger that kills penalties like Grabner. Would you come down on, like, Stasny? Stasny, we've been... I mean, we talked about him before. I'm fine with Stasny. It's just the... I don't want long term for Stasny. I I would whoever they get for the three C. I kind of want it to be short term because I think, I mean, kind of want Frost or somebody else to kind of fill into that role kind of soon. Right. And, uh, I just I'm fine with Stasny as long as it's short term. I really don't even care how much the money is, as long as whoever they get is for a year or two. So if they sign Stasny for, they could sign Stasny for. One year at eight million, and I would not care because it is one year. You could tell me any deal for almost a year, and I don't know if I would care that much. Which is like I, which is why the Boyd Gordon signing really didn't piss me off that that much because it was a year, and they realized almost immediately that it was a bad signing, and they did uh they didn't bring him back. So, uh, I feel like they what well, they need a three C though, and I feel like uh, Stasny is probably the best name out there for that. 
Uh, I mean, he had a strong postseason, and he's been a guy that's been productive everywhere he's gone, and he has pretty good underlying numbers. I wouldn't be wouldn't be against him. I like I'd be happy with that signing. I, I would. I think it's just that I would also like somebody better, like somebody who can actually score for the top set, because that's where the the frustration really. Well, sets yeah, in. Like, I mean, if you're yeah, if you're looking for that, I don't think Stasny is going to be the guy. If you're look, but if you're talking about filling in the center need and then also filling in the the scoring in the top six, I think those might be two different. Um, you might have to look. No, it, it, it is two different moves, I, yeah, and so. I, I I think that's what I was kind of commenting on was yeah, the fact see? that. I want two moves. There's probably only going to be like we were discussing slightly before we started recording. You're pro- I would like maybe even three moves where you get that depth defenseman we were talking about. You get that uh, that third line center, that defensive specialist, that PK guy, and you get that top six scorer. And it's probably only going to be the third line center and the depth defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, it depends like. Get Riley Nash and get Calvin DeHaan. Not the end of the world. It's just there. There's other stuff to add. Like if you make those two moves, those are fine. It's just there. You have more cap space and there's more potential to add to your lineup out there. So I think to be playing it safe and this would be not really. This would be making sure that you don't get into cap situations later later on down the road, which is. Which is fine, and the logical choice here. But same time, I, I don't know. You can still add more guys for short-term success. Like you don't need to sign. Like if you go and you sign somebody like Patrick think, Maroon. Oh boy. Yeah, he's man. Only thirty years old, and only thirty. He's been very successful without Connor McDavid in his career. Yeah, if you could just, I mean, if you get. Patrick Maroon, and then you trade for McDavid. All right, now we're, now we're talking. Maroon by himself. Uh, I mean, how many? That's points, a dude who's going to get overpaid. How many points did he? Get? Oh, absolutely. How many points did he end up getting with the Devils? Take a Calculating. Yeah, yeah I'll, t- I'll, I'll take a look see on that one. But uh, keep talking while I look it up, bud. Um, yeah, Maroon. I'm not obviously. Not a fan of. Uh, you mentioned JVR. JVR would be. I mean, it would be kind of funny if he came back, but I, I wouldn't be against it either. I kind of like it. Um, he had 13 points in 17 games for the New Jersey oh, Hockey Devils. All right. You know what? Sign him for five years. Bring him in. I changed my mind. Five years, uh, seven mil a year. Sound fair? I mean, if we're lucky enough to get him for seven mil, you know what I'm saying? He's got to be a nine plus player. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's probably up there in terms of that. Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll get the John Carlson a bit here, but um, yeah, I, I mean, defensively, I honestly haven't even thought about any of the uh, defensive options just because I, I, I haven't never, really thought of it as a need because they I haven't either. Defenseman in the pipeline. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know. I've seen Calvin DeHaan get thrown around. and That's a big one I see thrown around, too, and that would be absolutely fine to me. I mean, if you're going to get rid of McDonald, sure. But it's like, I don't know. I want to see Sanheim get his fair shake this year. I'd love to see Moran get another shot. Yeah, and the Moran thing isn't going to pan out until later on. Is he hurt for a while still, too? Isn't he hurt until February? 
he's he's out until February. But we can also talk about right now since we brought him up. I uh, got a three year extension. Or resigned for three years, I guess. I don't know what the correct terminology is, but yeah. three years. Uh, whatever. Three more years. Three more years at seven hundred k. Seven hundred k cap hit each year. Um, and I mean that's a, a that's a drop in the hockey bucket, if you will. So that's yeah. like that's like a no brainer. Uh, he's also he's also an RFA at the end of the 2020, uh, 2021 season. So he is a guy that. Oh, that's so far away. Yeah, it is, and I mean it's the same rent. That's gonna be. <laughs> That's going to be eight years after he's drafted. <laughs> eight years after drafted to see if we uh, if we have something in Sam Rin here. And uh, we're not, I mean, we're really not going to go, we're not going to know this season because he's going to be out for a while. Uh, but we're going to have two years. I think after this season, I think he's going to get a fair shot in 2019-2020. I think he'll get a legitimate chance to make the team. And that's why, I mean, that's another reason why I'm not too concerned about who they signed this all season because I don't know if it's going to be more than a year. Like I, they signed the Han. I don't know if it's going to be for more than a year here. Uh, I, I think that's a big reason why, like free agency, is just like it's, it's not too much to get excited about this year unless they're going to get Tavares, which it really seems like they're not going to. Unfortunately, there's not. I don't think there's. I don't know. I, I don't think there's too much to get excited about <laughs> like they might have a couple stopgap signings and then that's about it let the other guys come in like if i think frost is going to start the team as a winger especially if he makes it this year but they're going to sign somebody right now to kind of fill that role but i think he could easily make the team in 2019 20 uh so i i don't everything every single signing they make might just be for this season and nothing past that so, uh, yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully for us, just other free stuff happens. Like Tavares just goes out west and uh, the Penguins sign Jack Johnson. <laughs> which... Oh, my God. Can we can we start at the, the beginning for the Penguins with these moves they've been making the past couple of days? Because, yeah, what was the first thing? So they made the trade with Buffalo, right? Yeah, so they made the deal with Buffalo. They traded Connor Sheary and Matt Homewick to the Buffalo Sabres for a conditional fourth. And oh boy, a real king's ransom there. Yeah, for Connor Sheary, who was supposed to be a borderline elite player that totally wasn't propped up by playing with Crosby. And everybody was like, oh, crap, Rutherford cleared room. Here comes Pacioretty. They're, gonna, they're making room for Tavares. They're going to sign Tavares. And then shortly after that deal, uh, everybody's favorite... Um, Strip club, enduring radio host from Pittsburgh, uh, Mark Madden. Uh, what a guy. Announced, announced that Jack Johnson would be coming to the Penguins. And everybody laughed and laughed. And then uh, the guy from the Athletic, I think Josh McKay is his name, was like, no, uh, Mark Madden got it. Uh, Jack Johnson is coming to the Penguins. I think $16 million over five years, so a little over $3 million. So... Yeah, they're going to sign Jack Johnson, who has been objectively bad for a while now. And uh, I'm sure he's going to thrive in Pittsburgh because that's what they do with defensemen, apparently. But for right now, it's kind of funny that they cleared cap space to sign Jack Johnson. Doesn't really seem like an ideal move on their part. And uh, I think he is friends with Sidney Crosby, so that's kind of why the move happened. But uh, whatever. Oh, boy. Always the best reason for a move to happen. You know who else is pretty good friends with Sidney Crosby? Mayo. 
Andrew McDonald. Well, Mayo and also Andrew McDonald. I let's make a deal. Let's so make this thing I'm happen. Jack Johnson, Andrew say. McDonald pairing. Yeah, just that say. sounds horrible. Yeah, it's um. I mean, it was quite a, and also they used they they gave Brian Rust a contract extension of uh, four years at three point five million AAV, which again I'm I kind of question. Uh, he did have thirty eight points in a very nice amount of games this year, and then he also had nine points during each cup run. But uh, I don't know. He feels like another one of those guys like Sherry that it's on a line with Crosby. Hey, he's amazing. He's that depth scoring you need, and then. You move him away from Crosby and Malkin, and uh, check it out. He's not doing much. So it seems to be like a lot of money put into a guy that, I don't know. I mean, he did average over half a point of a game, but still 3.5 million is going uh, to a little much for a guy that doesn't seem to stand much, stand out much for himself. Uh, they also re-signed Riley Shahan, which I don't know why, but uh, one year, 2.1 million. Uh, I guess they like the depth they had. In uh, their playoff loss to the Caps, I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, Jim Rutherford making moves that Flyers fans everywhere can appreciate. And hopefully, uh, good old Jimmy uh, keeps it up, keeps those Carolina Hurricanes ways intact, and just uh, makes all these questionable moves. Uh, and then for another team in the division, uh, John Carlson, Devontae Smith, Pelly, and Michael Kempney are all staying on the team. And uh, John, what do you think of John Carlson's deal, Steve? Eight years, eight million per season. That's a long, long time there. A long time. Uh, Carlson's very good, and he's a guy that I think the fan base would have been very upset if they didn't bring back. But yep, did they really have to go with that long and that? (sighs) I think the thing. I think they reward him for being the best defenseman on the team during the cup run, Uh, and I think. They were worried that I, I think Carlson may have made more in the open market. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, right-hand defenseman on a cup-winning team, and it was his career year. I feel like some team out there would have been dumb and given him more money. Eight years part? I don't know. Like he's he's twenty. Somebody would have given him more money. Vegas. Yeah, he's twenty-eight right now, and he's got a modified no-trade clause now. So that's eight more years at eight. 8 million AAV. You're going to have this John Carlson for th- until he's 36. So that's, I mean, the back end of the, that contract is going to look pretty bad. I guess it, I guess their approach is a veteran doesn't have many years left, so get as much as you can with a veteran now, like while a veteran's in, like, still doing a veteran stuff, and then just kind of suck it up when he starts falling off, I guess. I don't know. But that contract, the Oshi contract, didn't look too great either the time it was signed last year, I think, right? So maybe that's their approach is just keep all these guys together and see if they can put together another run and then just kind of uh, cross that painful bridge when you get there in a couple seasons when all these guys have massive cap hits and they're, cap hits and they're all past their prime. So um, Sometimes it yeah. works out for Paul Holmgren, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know? Hopefully all these teams in the division keep on doling out uh, kind of questionable deals. And the Flyers just don't put money into anything. And then a couple of years when they have cap space, they can go and sign uh, God knows who. So if Hextall goes out and actually signs somebody, though. You know what I mean? Because he is... Uh, I mean, 
Do you think Wayne Simmons is going to be dealt now? I think he's going to be with the team now. I thought. Uh, I think he's going to be with the team now. I, I think if he was going to get dealt, it would have been at the draft. Happen. Right. And uh, apparently he was trying to do stuff. Actually, speaking of Wayne Simmons being dealt, apparently there was a rumor out there that he could have been part of that Dougie Hamilton trade, which we can talk about the Dougie Hamilton trade now. Uh, the proposed Flyers deal apparently was uh, Dougie Hamilton for Simmons and either Sanheim or Philip Myers. So I would say, I, I, I don't know if I'd do that. I don't know. Dougie Hamilton is very, very good, though. Um, but I I don't know if I really want to trade Sanheim or Myers. But, I mean, it definitely makes you think, though, because it makes you think. Because uh, Simmons, I don't know, you kind of expect Simmons to get traded. And if you were to get somebody in return, uh, getting Dougie Hamilton wouldn't be the worst option because Dougie Hamilton is a very good defenseman, maybe the most underrated defenseman in the league. Although I don't know if he's still going to be that in a little bit of time, but yeah, but a very Brady. good defenseman who's been dealt twice already, and he before twenty five. Yep, and uh, it sounds like it's with his personality, and not because he's like an asshole or anything, but just because he's kind of weird, I guess, and he's a quiet guy. But uh, sure, I guess that's a legitimate reason to trade somebody. Um, Doug, the trade was Dougie Hamilton, Michael Furlan, and Adam Fox for Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm from the Carolina Hurricanes. So, Dougie Hamilton, when you look at everything, you look at his numbers, look at the heat maps when he's on and off the ice for the Flames, and you look at how teammates do with him on and off the ice. Uh, there is nothing to not like about Hamilton's game, and he's pretty generates a lot of offense too for those teams whether he's been in boston or, or calgary and uh also adam fox adam fox is a guy who was in the ncaa this season played at harvard and he also played for the last couple of uh usa world junior championship teams so he he's not the worst prospect to get in the deal as a kicker for the hurricanes and then um i mean noah hannafin is is good and maybe he thrives with Mark Giordano, but he's not. I don't know if he's Hamilton. And also, Elias Lindholm is a guy that I I really have never understood the. I've never understood the promise around him. I guess I think it's because he was a fifth overall pick, but like I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to really become much because he's not like a possession monster, and he never puts up. Never really puts up points. He is only twenty three, but like I just I I don't know if it's still there. Maybe a change of scenery will help him out. Maybe he gets more of an opportunity in Calgary, but I just don't. I never understood the appeal of home. I guess it's because he was high, a high uh, draft pick. But well, and I guess the thing with Hamilton is, you know, an increasing commodity in this league is the offensive defenseman, and yeah, you know, Hamilton's certainly a guy who can put up offensive numbers. Yeah, and he is a guy. I mean, he is a very he he's great in terms of possession numbers. He is a guy that, I mean, he had amazing numbers with Boston, and that's why it was such a perplexing move at the time when they traded him. And now it's the same type of thing. I mean, it makes sense he's going to Carolina, who has Eric Tolsky, who is a pretty big uh, proponent of just making analytically smart trades. So seeing him get uh, Dougie Hamilton makes a lot of sense. And, uh, I mean, Noah Hanneman is still really young and has a lot of upside. I just, 
yeah, you, you kind of have to like the deal for the Hurricanes, especially if they get Adam Fox too. Who, not maybe not soon, but if they lose one of their defensemen in the next couple seasons, he's a guy that could probably fill in on a third pair somewhere. But that was the, I mean, that was the biggest deal at the draft, and uh, pretty much the only thing. I mean, Orpik and uh, Grubauer got traded too, but we already we already touched on that part. Uh, oh, I mean, did, we, we kind of touched on it. I mean, was that pre-show or was that during show? Oh, actually, yeah, that may have been pre-show, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, I mean, let's just quickly mention it. I mean, I just think it's hilarious that Orpik got traded and immediately got bought out by the Avs. Yeah, pretty much just like knowing that you're a, a paper move. is uh, It's kind of funny, especially because he had, I mean, he kind of had some important place for the Caps in the postseason, but, I mean, it was Brooks Orpik, like, you kind of knew that he was going to get, kind of to make that move with the Capitals, because that allowed you to re-sign Carlson. They were also able to bring back uh, Kempney as well, and that was a guy that, you know, maybe not the most urgent move you need to make, but had a pretty good postseason for the Capitals, and if that defense worked for you, and defense was a big part of the reason why they won, why not bring back that defense if you can? Except for Brooks Orpik, who was probably the weak, weakest link in that that blue line. So, uh, what was the? Are you able to put the numbers on company? I think that signing came out not too long ago. I, was, I, I didn't see it until just now. I know they signed uh, Devontae Smith Pelly two for a year at one million AAV. I know it was a big deal when he wasn't given a qualifying offer, but I think he would have made a little bit more. So I think they probably just told him like. Hey, we're not going to give you the qualifying offer. We'll give you a deal afterwards, but you'll definitely come back. And he was a guy, Devontae Smith-Pelly is a guy that he had a big postseason. He had seven goals in the postseason, but he's never broken 25 points in a season, and he is horrendous in terms of a territorial play. So for him to get another deal, I think he's probably just happy altogether. doesn't matter where he's played, whether it's been Anaheim, Montreal, or New Jersey. He just hasn't had the best numbers. And, uh... I'm looking for this, uh, for Kempney's numbers. I'm seeing multi-year deal, but I'll, I'll keep looking, but. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, it's not that. They they re-signed those two guys, though, which is, I think, what they need. They wanted to do once they traded Orpik. So the the trade for them was successful, and they also got a second-round pick as well, and they gave up their back goalie who, I mean, if hopefully is going to be playing fine. I don't really don't really need group hours, so they got they got use out of the pick. I mean, they got use out of the uh, the deal. I mean, if only they had paid to keep their damn coach around. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and yeah, I mean that that's still kind of crazy that that happened. It was funny too that I loved that after our last episode, I we pretty much just came out and they're like, yeah, it'd be kind of an idiot if you want the the Islanders just because you're the only option. You know, why not stay in DC? And then almost immediately after we. The episode goes out, he goes signs with the Islanders. <laughs> yep, yep. Which is yeah, a major like... factor in Tavares considering going back to the Islanders. Yeah. Good old They Luke. also oh. they also had a killer draft. Like they pretty much across yeah. the board like hailed as having the best draft. Yeah, they do have a fortunately they do they are starting to get a really, really good uh, prospect pool as well because they had I think they added they had a Wallstrom, who's probably the best goal scorer in this draft. No Dobson, who's a really good defenseman. They had Kiefer Bellows. They have Matt Barzal and Anthony uh, Bavillier. And 
it, they they have a lot of good players in that system now. Ilya Sorokin too, who's another pretty good goalie that they use with the uh, pick that they got from the Flyers and the Andrew, Andrew McDonald deal. So uh, hopefully uh, Tavares leaves because uh, I don't want to see any of these prospects really start to play with them because the Islanders could be kind of scary. I just love to see him go to San Jose because then I don't have to see him anymore in this division. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just yeah. get him. Conference. Get him out of the conference. I, oh, yeah. For for a hot minute, I was like, you know what? Might be Tampa. Might be Tampa. I, Tampa would have had to make another move, especially considering they yeah. just re-signed JT Miller. Yeah, which but. is a, like, I don't know. If you have a chance to sign John Tavares. I, are we missing out on something Tavares? Like, did, did, what, like, what are these teams doing? I don't understand. I don't but understand why was like, every hey. NHL team didn't have a bid. Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, might be coming to the Lightning. And then Steve Eisenman's like, that's cool. Uh, JT Miller, here's a five-year contract. It's like, what? Like, watch. Just leave the space open right now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then if you sign John Tavares, maybe you have to move JT Miller. Uh, okay. Like, I just don't – I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at the Tavares thing crazy, and I'm putting too much into him. But I, I don't know. I I feel like Nashville could probably swing something too, and if you're Nashville and you get a legitimate number one center, yeah, I mean that would be, and then like Kyle Turris is your third line center. I feel like that team would just, I don't know, I I don't know what NHL GMs are doing. Who knows? I I I don't have the faintest clue. I've never pretended to know, and I know less than ever now because you know (laughs) one day you think you have Hextall pegged and. Then you have absolutely zero clue what he's going to do, and uh, then it pisses off half the fan base, which watch we'll talk him. about next week. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Watch him talk. Watch him sign. Tavares. Watch him just sneak in and sign Tavares. God, my mind. I'd be so happy, and I'm still pulling oh, for it. God, I would be. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. He's not going to sign Tavares. He's gonna. I. I yeah, it's I definitely it's... not going to happen. But I just keep. My frustration is I really trust in a lot of the process that Hextall's doing. Yeah. But I really do want to see at least one like decent, smart move because there are a couple smart moves you can make out there. And there just seems to be this hesitance, yeah. this uh, insistence on staying with the process, which, again, is I'm all for Fine. it. Flyers are flush with prospects in a way I can't ever remember them being. But yeah, I it, want to see them win some freaking games this year. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess that is one thing to say about this draft class, too, is there really is no... There's no hole in the organizational depth now. They have prospects for every type of player you would want. Uh, and they are very, very deep now in every position. The forward depth organizationally now is pretty ridiculous. They added more defensemen to, I mean, a pipeline that already has seen Goss's fair pro and Sanheim graduate. And they're going to have Myers added into the mix the next year, if not this season. So they, the, the pipeline is absolutely packed so hopefully next season is more of maybe moving these assets to see if you can get things to help your nhl team but i yeah i mean it'd be nice nice to do things like not bring back philpula for the love of god don't bring back philpula and maybe sign somebody that is a little more higher end or make that jeff skinner trade or who knows? You know, somebody else, too, that's a free agent that I didn't talk about was, uh, or I believe Robin Lehner didn't get a qualifying offer from the the Buffalo Sabres. So he's a free agent now. 
a lot of people were hyped up about him a couple of years ago. And, yeah. Uh, I know he had a down year. I think he only had like a 908 save percentage. But at the same time, uh, I don't know. I don't think he... I don't think he was really injured this year. So, uh, uh, I mean, would you want him in Philadelphia? I mean, I I don't know. Rainer, I mean, look, uh, we've got plenty of injury prone. I'll say that much. Yeah. Michael Neuvert's got a new trainer. Oh, boy. Uh, Brian <laughs> Elliott's, uh, who knows what Brian Elliott's going to do on any given day. He's basically yeah, Jekyll who, Hyde. Who knows? So, I mean, like, I, you know. I wouldn't mind. The thing would be if they did somehow sign him, what would you do with one of Neuberth or Elliot? Because who, who the hell would want one of those guys? But Who's going to trade for either one? I can't fathom a team trading for either one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, so this year, though, he played 53 games. Last year, he played 59 games. So I know he was hurt a lot in the beginning of the 2015-16 season, I believe. Because they only played 21 games back then, too. So, uh, but the last couple of seasons, he's been fine. And I don't think he's he's not usually injury prone. So, if we got a goalie who is pretty decent uh, and actually played, I think that would be. I think they, the Flyers have a lot of things right with the team that I don't think people recognize. Like, Sandheim makes McDonald a somewhat passable defenseman. So, that gives you two defensive pairings that are pretty good. We still have Shane Goss to spare and yeah, Ivan Provorov, who yeah, are unbelievable uh, talents. Some of the two of the best defensemen I've ever seen in a Flyers uniform, and they're both incredibly young and at the beginning of their careers. And that and that pair is one of the better pairs in terms of possession in the league. Uh, the top line rolled. Uh, Jeruka Torier. Sometimes Voracek, sometimes Konechny. Yeah, made a pretty good top line. Uh, Patrick and Lindblom looked pretty good on the second line. Uh, and then whenever you had connecting over else in the bottom six, it did pretty well. I mean, they don't need to improve the bottom six, but besides that, the the biggest flaw was just the goaltending, and they didn't have reliable goaltending. It didn't show up in the postseason, and you had to turn to Alex Line a lot this season, which you really well, that guy should... he's the future. Obviously, he's the the best option of all the Flyers goaltending <laughs> prospects. And yeah. he, he proved it by uh, his like six mediocre performances where he barely held on to his the life, most but... inconsistent. Yeah. Like performances ever this season. him and Peter Morazic. Yeah. See if they just have any kind of consistency on the, the back end, I think the Flyers could be a surprisingly like decent team. Like I can't could... even tell you oh. how excited I am to have Lion and Morazic as a quizzo question in five years. <laughs> oh yeah we should talk yeah did we talk about that yet how Morazic's not coming back that was already like a game no we haven't Morazic's not coming back who cares yeah and Lyon's coming back and uh all the other guys got qualifying offers so uh, here's the big one uh and forgive me if this has already been explained on a previous episode my my memory's going in my old age my ripe old age of uh, 34 but uh when I'm two years left there yeah Carter Hart this season Phantom's eligible uh, yes, I mean he. I think he's gonna be with the Phantoms, I believe. Uh, but that, yeah, that's when it becomes a little bit tricky because then you're gonna have to have somebody in the ECHL, or you're gonna have to move a goalie. And um, yeah, I mean even if they sign his quad, like because what was it? Line and Solaris got qualifying offers, so that would mean entering the season they would still have Elliot Norberth. Lion and Stellars. 
And then if Carter Hart's going to play in the AHL, you'd have to move one of those two down to the ECHL. And I mean, I guess at this time, you'd, I mean, would you make it Stolarz? You know, the thing about Stoltender, the goaltender is, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I can't see him having uh, an NHL career, barely an AHL career at this point with the, with the Flyers organization. Yeah. So, I mean, he might be a guy that just kind of keep around for a season in the ECHL or just kind of don't dress him in the AHL. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would still, I think Carter Hart's, he's going to play with the Phantoms. Uh, I mean, he has a, a really, really small chance of playing with the Flyers, but he is a guy that I'm pretty sure is going to play with the Phantoms next season and might might get uh, a game or two in the NHL, like Stolarz did. I'd love to see that. Uh, ago, yeah. Obviously, with Hack, you never know if that's actually going to happen, but yeah, I, I I'd believe- love to see it. Yeah, and I believe that's what the situation is, unless I'm completely forgetting something too. But I'm pretty sure he, because he can't. I don't believe he can go back to. He can't go back to the, the CHL now. Like I think he's done the CHL. So his only other option is to play professionally, which would be for one of the three three teams affiliated with the Flyers. So I think he would have to. I think he's going to be the backup in the, in the AHL. And so I want to just mention something about Carter Hart briefly uh i know sometimes people criticize hextall for maybe waiting too long with guys uh holding the back a little long but generally when you see the bigger prospects these like i don't want to call them sure things but the guys that you know the hyped up guys the guys that are going to be nhl players almost certainly uh they get more of a fair shot to actually make the team and stay with the team you look at ivan proveroff he made it out of the gate uh, Shane Gostas Bear was up here pretty quick and established himself. And Nolan Patrick got time to actually grow last year and turn into the the, the promising young guy that the Flyers drafted second overall. So Carter Hart's going to get his shot. And it the only question is oh, yeah. will it be this year or next year? Because and I think the plan is next year. I think the plan is full season with the Phantoms because look, you can see it in the construction of the contracts, right? Neuwirth and Elliot both have two year contracts. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so there's going to be space next year. Uh, and I mean, maybe I, uh, he's, I don't think he's playing with the Flyers this year unless he comes in. But there's a, you never know. I mean, th- yeah. that's the thing. The, the surefire guys have had a chance to go in and knock the socks off people and get every chance and have actually yeah. gotten to go with the team and stick with the team. Yeah. And that, I think that's, you're right. And I think that is proof that uh, maybe Frost makes a team this year because he could do what connecting Provorov did a couple of years ago where he just didn't give Hexall an option. And he was like, he had to let them play for the team. I think that's a lot easier for Frost because there's definitely an opportunity there. I think, like you said, with the contracts, it makes it a little bit difficult to do with the, the goaltending, but I don't know how hard it would be to move. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really hard to move one of Elliot or Norberts. You'd have to, you may even have to buy him out if, you know, push can or shovel in one of those situations. But I, I don't know. He, Carhartt, I think, would be, will be with the team in 2019, 2020 at the earliest. That's my uh, opinion. 
I am L. I am H O, or else it doesn't count. I am P O, in my professional opinion. Mm-hmm. Which I'm trying to start, so I don't know if that's actually a thing. I'm that's not, not a thing. going with it. I'm I'm sticking with the humble <laughs> opinion, Craig. As I okay, said before, you. be humble. Okay, Kendrick. <laughs> Kendrick Jacquel. <laughs> it doesn't. There's not a good ring to it. Let's let's be honest. Uh. One other thing we could talk about real quick, uh, and I, I don't really have too many opinions on them, but the uh, the Hall of Fame class for 2018. Oh, wait, yeah, I do. I have one opinion. Uh, but uh, uh, Okay, here's my opinion. Willie O'Ree, long overdue. Yeah. Could not be happier. Uh, it's about damn time, NHL. The rest of it, boo! <laughs> oh, yeah. Brodeur, yeah, uh, Brodor and St. Louis can both kick rocks. Oh, uh, they can kick rocks. But... And then Batman. Ugh. Yeah, the Batman one is uh, pretty annoying. Uh, but Willie O'Ree definitely deserved it. First yeah, that... player in the NHL. That's been long overdue for a while. I don't know why he wasn't in before. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, it's yeah. just madness. Complete lunacy. Brodor was obviously going to get in. Uh, St. Louis... I feel like St. Louis could have had an argument for not getting in, though. I mean, he won the cup once. Uh, he like was it, were his numbers really overpowering? Like, was he a guy? Like, was he locked to make the NHL? Or not the NHL? The... The <laughs> I, I think he made the NHL. <laughs> he may have made the NHL. Yeah. Hey, although he was undrafted and he was very small. That's true. I remember him playing have... against the Phantoms in the Calder Cup playoffs. And with, uh, with your just... boy Mike Maniluk on the team, hey, dude, Mikey Maniluk all day. I'm Mike Maniluk, shut him down. This is the Mike Maniluk dot org. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, St. Louis, I remember him being. I think it was in. I want to say the Flames minor league team. Yeah, yeah, he was and... the Flames for the Lightning. Yeah, and I was just like, that guy's annoying as hell, and his name's stupid. And here he is in the Hall of Fame. Real stupid. Yeah, I remember hating him during the 2004 postseason. Oh, despised him. Uh, let's see. The worst. 953 points in 972. Oh, wait, that's not the overall. 1,033 points in 1,134 games. Uh, nothing special. One cup. Not a con smith. Uh, did, did he win? I mean, did he win... Uh... He never won the uh, the heart, right? Or like the Art Ross, or no? He may have, I think he may have won the heart Ross, Art Ross in the um the Probably lockout won Lady Bing, season. Lady Bing like twelve times. Oh uh, yeah, I think he won. I think he won Art Ross in uh, twenty thirteen. Yeah, let's see. Art Ross, he won that twice. Oh three, oh four, and twenty twelve, thirteen. Okay. He won the so. Lester B. Pearson in oh three, oh four. He won the heart in oh three, oh four. Uh, yeah. he won the the Lady Bing three times. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. so that's uh, I just want to give him an award. Yeah, Ooh, so that... I mean, I guess yeah. Wait, I guess Craig, this... you're, we're, before you continue, I need to talk about the most prestigious award he has here. Oh God, the plus minus award. Oh, nice. Well, that's probably why I got it. Was he first ballot? Was this his first time he could have made the Hall of Fame? Yeah, first ballot. Yeah, see, uh, I think that's my thing. Might have like been a real they, thin class this year. Yeah, I guess it was. Because like, Batman I, got in. I just, I can't fathom. 
yeah. why they just decided like, you know, we really want to have every we, we want to see somebody get booed off the stage at the Hall of Fame. Let's put <laughs> Batman in. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, it could have been it. Maybe that's what they wanted to spice it up. Get some different reactions. Uh, uh, the other two people that were added were uh, Jana Hefford, who was the NWHL's all-time leading scorer when she retired with 252 goals, and then Alexander Yakishev, who was on the Soviet Union team during the 1972 Summit Series against Canada. Uh, uh, that wasn't the guy that Clarky uh, crippled, right? No, that was, oh my God, that was a pretty prominent guy too. I forget his name. <laughs> oh my God, what was his name? Shit. I'm going to forget it. No, that wasn't it, but that was definitely a thing that uh, Bob Clark did. <laughs> and he was a oh, pretty maliciously. Guy. He did yeah. it on purpose. Pretty pivotal guy. Definitely swayed the uh, outcome of that series. So, uh, yeah, Bob Clark. Shout out to Bob Clark for being uh, ultra competitive. But that's why... Uh, that's why we loved him here in Philadelphia. That and the diabetes. Well, I don't know if he loved him because of diabetes, but he had it. So <laughs> it was also uh, Valery Karlamov. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, Karlamov was very good. Wait, so, wait, so, uh, yeah. let's see. Oh, I mean, that yeah, was him. He Clark yeah. caught up with Karlamov and laid a two-handed slash across his ankle, breaking it in the process. Though Karlamov finished the game, he missed the seventh game, was largely ineffective in the eighth. When go. asked about the slash years later, Clark said. If I hadn't learned to lay on a two-hander once in a while, I'd have never left Flin Flon. I was going to say, also, he comes from the best town in Canada, Flin Flon. Flin Flon, Manitoba. What? You got to say the full thing, Flin Flon, Manitoba, because <laughs> it sounds like three made-up words. <laughs> See, it's kind of crazy that two of the best flyers ever are just known for two massive slashes. Just two-handers to the back of people's legs. With uh, Clark and then Rod Hextall. Oh, yeah. Given yeah. A, a complete malicious intent. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, there's a reputation. Yeah. It's, not, it's all right. Flyers hockey, baby. Yeah, let's keep that mentality up. For, uh, you know, oh, never mind. We'll get into that next week. <laughs> the whole thing with... Uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the division on Flyers Twitter next ne week. Yeah, next week, the great Flyers Twitter civil war will be the big point of discussion broken down and uh analyzed this week i'm entirely too tired to discuss that i i cannot i cannot yeah this episode yeah. was just a lot of me rambling on about uh teenagers age. yeah teenagers playing hockey so my forte and then uh yeah. next week next week we'll talk about uh Tavares signing with the penguins and how the flyers oh, i'll tell you philpula again and all that nonsense well, the Penguins trading Phil Kessel for Jeff Skinner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be something. Phil Kessel finally goes home to Arizona. <laughs> I want so, that to happen so yeah. bad. Like, that really sums up Phil Kessel well, where he's just like, yeah, go to Arizona. The air's dry. You know, I can breathe good. They're a terrible <laughs> hockey team, Phil. You're, you're going from one of the best in the league to one of the worst. Yeah, it's it's cool. Yeah, I'm all right with it. I mean, it's... They got hot dogs. <laughs> love Phil. Hate him, but I love him. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird relationship with Phil right now because of his uh, his team. But yeah. he'll, if he'll he, gets traded to, he gets traded to Arizona, you better believe I'm getting one of those black, oh, we, like, yeah. uh, Aztec, uh, Coyote symbol jerseys which, with Kessel. Which is coming back as the third. And Correct. also... 
the Flyers are bringing back a third as well. I don't know if you saw that. The, uh, they're going to use the 2017 Stadium Series jersey as the third jersey this year. Now, to recap, Craig, where do you come down on those suckers? I love them. I like those things. You love them. Okay. I'm, I find them very much right in the middle in Flyers jersey yep. history. As usual, you have an absolutely terrible opinion. So that's just uh, Mark. Just add it to the pile of hey, Craig, Steve. Jac- <laughs> I got three words for you: kiss my ass. Uh, listen, they're they're certainly not in the uh, glossy, uh, burnt orange embossed logo yeah. or the Reebok Edge. But hey, they're they're no '80s orange. I'm just gonna say I much, didn't so. say they were, and I. I, I I know that the the burnt orange is the best Flyers jersey and all that. I'm just saying I like oh. the jerseys a lot. Oh, 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 the burnt orange, yeah, I always call that. I don't know why I turned into Jim Jackson. Uh, well, you know, uh, <laughs> the burnt orange. No, that, that refers to the the shittiest one, which I own in Forsberg, and it it's no good. Wait, the shittiest one? Which one is that? The uh, the nineties? That's 90s? the like embossed logo from like the mid two thousands. No, no, that's no. The I'm burnt talking, orange. I'm yeah. talking about the. Um... No, that's regular orange. That's the, uh, the we don't call that burn orange. Yeah, we're not calling that burn orange. No. Okay. All right. This is this is sensitive stuff here. Okay. Anyway, uh, black jersey is uh, third jersey. I know opinions are all over the place on this one. But... <laughs> no, they, they really are though. I, I've seen. Are they wait? And are they going to have another stadium series jersey? Yeah, they are. The link? So it's going to have a lot. Have a lot of jerseys. Merchandise. Yeah, I mean they had four during the 2016-17 uh, season, but the one jersey was uh, atrocious. So that's uh, that that gold jersey. Oh, the the I love gold jersey. Yeah, that's yeah, like a. Those, now those were bad. Those might be one of the worst in franchise uh, history. I'd say that's maybe fourth worst. It's uh, embossed Which? logo. Yeah. Okay. Embossed logo, the two Reebok Edge jerseys. I don't know if they count as separate entries or what, but they were yeah. just terrible. Uh, hated them. And then the gold jersey. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think I probably put the gold one below those Reebok ones. TV wow. QH. Wow. With my IMPO. Wow. I, I'm glad we got our Owen Wilson in. Yeah, there we go. It's been a while. Sure. But we, we got it. We, we did it. We did it. You got that in, too. We, we did it at the there. beginning <laughs> of the last show. We got the Owen Wilson whale right out of the way, but this time it... That's uh... when we had to squeeze him in there. We got to meet that quota. We do. Well, right. we have an agreement with Owen Wilson's estate. Do we? Well, you have an agreement. I haven't. I've heard no such thing. Yeah, I mean, we're not getting paid anything for it, but it's an agreement. Yeah. The Marley and me agreement. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's sad because what uh, about Marley? The Hall Pass Agreement. What was that stupid fucking movie where they had the... Uh... I think it was Hall Pass. Yeah, it was Hall Pass. Okay, I was just making sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Owen Wilson, if you're listening, uh, keep up the good work. Love you in Hall Pass. Uh, <laughs> and Wedding Crashers. And, uh, <laughs> By the way, I don't even know for sure that he was actually in Hall Pass. I'm just... <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he was. I, I think he was, yeah. Oh, uh, also loved you in the internship or whatever that movie was where uh, you and Vince Bond needed more money. So you worked at Google. I think it was not to it. be not to be confused with the intern where Robert De Niro is an old intern. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like that's just nothing but yucks. <laughs> that sounds like a good time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I just pulled up the the poster for Hall Pass and it's let's see. The the extended cut is 
Jason Sudeikis and Owen Wilson. Is Wes Helms in that as well? (laughs) Wes Helms, goddammit. Ed Helms. I don't know. But the the poster that the first one I found is the enlarged edition, which has uh, the back of a bikini clad woman with a tramp stamp that says extended Uh, cut. Yeah. And Owen Wilson and Jane Sisnakis on either side of the the woman looking at the camera smiling. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's a winner. Movie. Yeah, it looked like a bad movie at the time. Uh, I think I remember that. Yeah, God, Jesus, that movie was bad. <laughs> well, that's that's going to be one of the summer episodes. Is we go fr- scene by scene through Hall Pass. Break down Hall Pass. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. All right. All right. That's <laughs> expect that one in August. That is definitely an August episode. <laughs> the the flyperbole enlarged edition. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, well, thanks for listening, guys. If you have any feedback, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu. Uh you can reach out to Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yep. Which, I mean, you know, not really, uh, I guess not at the moment. Yeah, we'll see after the Penguins make some signings. Yeah, we'll you know, see. Big stuff's we'll, coming. Yeah. They, they, they don't make stupid trades for no reason. Like, uh, I, I really hope they re-sign Ryan Reeves. That'd be awesome. That would be pretty awesome, yeah. Pretty neat. Jack Johnson, five years, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. <sighs> Good for you guys. <laughs> it, you know, charitable works are are few and far between in this modern and world. And honestly, good for Jack Johnson, who does need the money. I'm not does. trying to make a joke about that, but... Well, you know the... Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, yeah, was going to yeah. make a, a curious George soundtrack uh, joke, but... Make banana pancakes, or whatever that stupid yeah. Jack Johnson song was, yeah. All, all I'm going to say about that is when I was still actively using Pandora, for some reason, Pandora would always give me Oh, Pandora loves Jack Johnson. They love Jack Johnson. I would always get a Modest Mouse song per play, and I would always get a Jack Johnson song from the Curious George soundtrack. So it'd be like, (laughs) just be listening to music, and all of a sudden it'd be, you're just a monkey in a tree, like kind of stuff. I'm like, and a man in a yellow hat's coming for you. And like, what? Why why does this exist? Uh, Oof. Uh, is it just I I I hope there's another really obnoxious band that doesn't fit for like the Curious George soundtrack. Like I hope Pantera did a song for like the Curious George soundtrack. Curious George. <laughs> yeah, there's the Megadeth Curious George opus. Yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> oh, this is this is you guys are welcome. This is the good <laughs> stuff right here. <laughs> You can reach me at Flyperbole or Estebam. And uh, be sure to follow PSH Radio and Broad Street Hockey. All right. Well, that's all we got for you guys. Uh, we're going to go uh, pass out and uh, try not to die at work tomorrow. But uh, I'm going to go hall pass out. You know. <laughs> well, you know, we got to prepare for the enlarged edition. So, <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Guys, thank you for listening. And... Until next time, as always, good night and good hockey. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast 
about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell, and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.